anecdotal evidence about perhaps some of the causes of suicide and some of the things that people are dealing with. Can you share some of that information with our listeners? Are you talking about like the, the lon- loneliness, yeah. uh, those kind of things, veterans? Yeah, yeah, um, veterans because of their uh, PTSD issues, you know, from serving um, across you know across the world in wars, and uh, you know, uh, adolescents can have problems at school, maybe they're being bullied or just general morose, depressive kind of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And you said something before we started about the percentage of people, adults in America, who would consider themselves lonely. It's a staggeringly high number. Right. The Surgeon General actually stated that in one of his reports and said that uh, a new advisory indicates that more than half of the adult population, that's 58%, are lonely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think about it. Most of the, more than half of the people we know feel lonely. Yeah, and the the, the causes, you know, we're talking about signs, and we're also going to talk about suicide awareness, but the cause, of course, I would think loneliness would almost always go along with it. And also some kind of, trauma or some kind of problem that the person doesn't feel like will ever get resolved? Wouldn't that be a common uh, trait of, of suicidal people? Sure. And also those that, uh, those that are uh, drug involved as well, whether they have alcohol issues or other drug issues that cover up the depression. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about something called the PAL method. We mm-hmm. talked about this last time and the first time that you were here. Right. What is the PAL PAL method? The PAL stands for a pathway Ways of assisting life, and and that was the method that I learned when I took the workshop uh, back in February because we spoke about it the last time, and it was a two-day workshop, fully involved, fully strategic planning on what you do to help somebody when they're in that kind of a condition. Mm-hmm. And this is all having to do with awareness. Do you deal with the aftermath of suicide and how families cope? Because I'm sure. The, the pain never quite goes away, and that's probably a needed also. Is that a whole different area, or is that related to what you do? Yeah, I, I would say that that's a whole different area just in terms of treatment, and that would be the important thing is to get somebody into treatment. The, the PAL method basically would help somebody to deal when maybe they're in the middle of the immediate crisis. You, you gave an analogy, again, before we started recording, mm-hmm. about uh, a backpack mm-hmm. and the load that people have. Can you share that? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's what the PAL method uh, really uh, gave us the analogy, the, the trainers that we had indicated. Think of, think of yourself carrying a normal-sized backpack. Well, somebody that's in a depressive state is carrying 10 times that kind of weight, and you mm-hmm. may not even know that until you talk to them about it. So the the we're going to talk about signs of suicidality and mm-hmm. I think you know most of us people who are listening right now you may know somebody that's going through a hard time they may be a little bit depressed that doesn't necessarily mean they're suicidal Correct. but these are specific signs to look for that could indicate that this person is on the brink or or could possibly do that so the the first one you mentioned is connecting with people by invitation 
and encouragement. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Okay, well, that has to do with the POW method. Now, I, I'm, I'm not sure which you wanted to talk first. Do you well, want to mention some of the signs first? Well, I, I, you said attention to destructive words. Can we should talk about that? The things that come out of their mouth, things that they say. Okay. Well, what are we looking for? All right. Here, here are some of the things uh, that would be involved in a conversation. Uh, sometimes people who are depressed will say something like, all my problems will end soon. I mean, mm. that's one statement. And then uh, another one might say, no one can help me. No one can help me. Then uh, another one, you know, might say in desperation, I can't take it anymore. I just can't take it. Um, and, then, and then somebody else might say, I just can't think straight anymore. Yeah, so... These are all phrased in the the negative, I can't do this, there's a certain hopelessness about it. And also, uh, you know, some of those that you said, there was like an absoluteness of, you know, nobody understands or I'll never get through this. There's, 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 again, there's a desperation mm-hmm. uh, would that would that be I'm, I'm just kind of playing amateur psychologist here yep. is looking for these these trigger words right right can't mm-hmm. never won't exactly. what, 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 any others well, that come to mind well it's it's totally a self-absorption uh type of situation when somebody's in that state of mind they can't see beyond themselves mm-hmm. and in their thinking as negative as it is they just can't see beyond that yeah. So that's where the pal that's where the pal method comes in because that's when again in thinking about that heavy heavy backpack when somebody starts talking those kinds of statements that's a good kicking off point and that's where you can begin the conversation to ask some questions about that's their state of mind. Okay, and in in relation to that, would it be advisable to just straight out say to the person, "Are you suicidal? Are you have you thought about killing yourself?" Is that too direct, or is that uh, is that okay? It's not too direct. I wouldn't begin there. I would start from exactly where they're at. Okay. Let's say that you know uh, a person admits uh, any one of the statements that that I already indicated, that that's a good kicking off point. And that's, mm-hmm. so at some point you can bring that into the conversation. But yes, what, what some people are afraid to do is to mention the word suicide. Yeah. Have you thought about hurting yourself? Have you thought about hurting somebody else? I mean, who knows? Maybe they have a gun hidden out in their car. Maybe they're thinking of either hurting themselves, killing themselves, or maybe hurting somebody else. Mm-hmm. You hear about these, uh, the, the cutters, you mm-hmm. know, the people that do things to harm themselves. Mm-hmm. Do, does that typically um, come before someone doing, you know, ultimately killing themselves? Or, or, or on the other hand, is it often just something that people might do for a little bit of attention, just to get people's attention, but they're really not ever going to commit suicide. They're just, they're just harming themselves to get people's attention. How, how, does that, how do those two relate to each other? Uh, you know what? They, they, they are related and they're unrelated because uh, we could never say that nobody would not hurt themselves or kill themselves uh, just because they're experimenting with, with cutting. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is attention getting, but you, when, and bringing that into a conversation, you want to do it in a compassionate way so that they don't see that you're judging them because mm-hmm. they're cutting, if they are cutting. Yes. And you have, from the information that you send me, you talk about listening to a person's story and encouraging mm-hmm. them 
saying, tell me more. This is a key, right? When somebody is depressed and despondent, they, they often they just want to be listened to. Exactly. So, so give us some more tips on that. Yeah, no, that's a very, very important phrase that we learned in our training uh, when I took the training down in Dallas uh, a couple of months ago. And uh, th- that statement is just so important. If you have somebody and they're able to discuss what's going on with them. Of course, you could get somebody to the other extreme that might not want to share, but once you have somebody talking and they see that you're not judging them, you're being compassionate with them, that that will, by saying to them, hey, can you tell me more about that? Or, or you could even say, I'm not quite clear about what you're saying. Can you clarify that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the invitation that counts because you're making that connection with somebody. Yes, tell me more, uh, which uh, people like to hear. You speak about turning points Mm -hmm. in conversations. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, that means that in 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 the object of helping this person in that kind of a situation, it's a process, Dave. So you might not have a turning point right away, but once you start asking them questions and then... If you're getting a sense that they're able to talk more by telling them, tell me more, they'll give you indications of what went wrong in their life. I'm not saying in all situations, but some will. Like, Mm -hmm. for instance, we had a woman, um, that was an example that we saw on the video, that a woman uh, used to like gardening, and she wasn't gardening anymore. And then the person that was trying to help her and this, uh, this came into a personal commitment with this person that was trying to help her and say, well, gee, you know, I'm free on Tuesdays. How about if I come over to your house every Tuesday and we do some gardening together in your garden? Mm-hmm. It's a personal commitment, but it's, it's a qualifier, and, and that seemed to help that person feel better, and, and they agreed to that. Yeah. So once you get to a turning point and you have a feeling that they will be agreeable to a plan, that's when you can move into a prevention plan. Okay, let's talk about that. You mentioned it, you call it a safety plan, right? Yeah, exactly. What, what are the parts of the safety plan? Ooh, well, first of all, uh, when there is a safety plan, the person has to agree to it. Like, like the example that I just gave you about the woman who was willing to come over and garden with that person, that, you know, and once, and once they, you, once that works for them, then the person who is doing the interview can ask them, okay, are, are you going to be agreeable to this? Mm-hmm. Are, you go- are you willing to commit yourself to that? And, then, and that's getting the person to agree to whatever that is. It could be counseling. You might suggest that they you know, get involved in counseling and, and they would be agreeable to that. Yeah, and are the people typically agreeable to these kind of things, or is is it more common to meet resistance? Uh, everybody's different, Dave. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on again making that connection that I emphasize. That is so so important. Once you once you gain their trust, uh, trust in in that kind of a situation, some will, maybe some won't, mm-hmm. and maybe some inevitably will kill themselves like the two guys that we had and that was uh, attending our mental health program many, many years ago. Two of our guys were very depressed. We didn't have one of them. We didn't, we always had to assess him on almost on a monthly basis. Um, and then uh, he eventually did kill himself. Yeah. I've heard uh, so often about 
the signs when somebody does kill themselves if if the family members are you know being honest though mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they will know that there were a lot of signs mm-hmm. and comments and things like that okay. uh, you know do you ever hear stories where it just totally comes out of the blue where some a family says uh, this this was a happy go lucky person totally surprised us no signs does that does that happen very often I suppose it could in some situations. You know, again, every situation is different. Um, and maybe, you know, parents may ignore signs. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe they saw their, their adolescent becoming less, becoming more isolated and keeping away from friends mm-hmm. or, or not getting involved in activities at school. Yeah. You mentioned some very practical things like, giving up drugs, mm-hmm. um, hiding firearms, yep. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of these other practical tips that you would offer? Uh, again, um, by interviewing them through the PAL method, hopefully you would be able to understand what things maybe they weren't participating in anymore. Uh, so that if you got a sense of that, then and they give you some ideas of some of the things they used to do, then uh, then you can use that as part of the safety plan mm-hmm. to get them reinvolved and getting connected with people so how the the, the typical listener right now mm-hmm. you're mentioning this pal program are mm-hmm. there classes coming up or or how should they get involved and, and who should be involved in something like this uh you know what well, the trainers um that were involved when i went there were people from all different kinds of backgrounds and you don't have to be a therapist to get involved in this. And I got involved in it through the Living Works program. It's at www.livingworks.net. And, and once somebody goes to that website, all they have to do is go do the search for ASSIST, A-S-I-S-T, which is uh, Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training. Mm-hmm. So that's how they would, that's how they sign up. And by the way, I believe there's one coming up in Fort Worth. I don't know exactly when it is, but through doing a search on that website, they can find out exactly when it's coming up. Living, is, livingworks.net is the website. Look for the assist, A-S-I-S-T. A-S-I-S-T. Okay, so it's not spelled correctly like assist. Exactly. (laughs) You eliminate one of the S's. Right. Uh, Just out of curiosity, Mm -hmm. and then I want to just kind of allow you to say whatever else you think is important for our listeners. If somebody is suicidal and somebody intervenes, and uh, thanks be to God, they're successful in thwarting uh, a possible suicide, how common is it for that person to relapse and maybe uh, uh, two years later there needs to be another intervention. Is it kind of a chronic situation that somebody may carry through their life or just, you know, maybe one period of their life they're suicidal and then the rest of their life they're fine? Uh, you know, it, it varies from individual to individual. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those who may have chronic periods and episodes of depression. Uh, maybe some folks, you know, if they, if they don't have a long history of it, there probably would be in a better probability of maintaining their health once they recognize, you know, what their issues are and enable to work on them in counseling or therapy. Yeah. Some people could fall into deep, deep depression, yeah. perhaps even long period of time, but sure. never consider suicide. Mm-hmm. Some people get depressed and perhaps kill themselves. What is the difference? What is, what is it about a person who just would not fathom this? Uh, that's a tough question. That's a, that's a real tough question. Uh, 
You know, like I said, everybody's different. That's so it, yeah, so it, it really depends on the history, what kind of supports they have. You know, like I mentioned, uh, you know, before in St. Gabriel's, we have a lot of, lot of groups at our church people get involved in from younger kids and preschool all the way up to uh, adults and senior citizens. Now, let me ask you what may seem um, like a, an odd question, but I think it, it's you know, on a lot of people's minds. The, the spirituality of it, our, our, our church teaches that, of course, suicide is a moral evil, but the culpability of a person before God, the, the church leaves a little bit of room where, you know, this is kind of God's business and not ours. Right. What, what about the speaking to somebody about, hey, this, this is morally wrong, you could potentially end in hell? I mean, I don't know. It, it almost sounds like, like it may be true, but maybe not the best Advice. What would you say about that kind of conversation with somebody? Uh, I think that's very judgmental. And, you know, we as Catholics and, and religious people, you know, we, we have to believe in the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit being able to work in people's lives. And, like, if just as Jesus Christ is compassionate with us, why wouldn't we be compassionate with a person who's in that kind of a situation? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so have a little bit of time. I know last time you walked away from the interview saying, gosh, I, I feel like I wish we had talked about this. So I don't want that to happen again. So <laughs> what else would you like to mention as far as PALS, uh, suicide, science of suicidality, anything else that, that's uh, on your mind? I, I think the key, I think the, we basically, you know, we covered a lot of it today already. I think that uh, because we talked about their backpack and being heavy, and so you and I, through this process, have unpacked the PAL method today, basically. We want people not only to be safe in a moment, because our focus in the training was keeping them safe in the moment and getting them to agree to that, but certainly in working with somebody who's in that state, you really want a, a longer period of time when they can keep themselves safe through Counseling, having people monitor their medication if they're taking medication, particularly if they had if they were prone to overdosing, you know, helping somebody help them to manage their medication. Mm-hmm. And is there any, you know, I don't you know, have to have exact stats, but my my guess would be in countries where it's generally speaking, like first world countries, Mm -hmm. as opposed to third world countries, Mm -hmm. there might be an odd reversal where actually more suicide, the the easier life is, generally speaking, for people, that might be actually higher suicide rates as opposed to people who really have difficult lives, they may not. Would that hunch be correct, or do you have any anecdotal evidence about that? Uh, No, I really don't. I, I really didn't delve into the various cultures. Yeah, right. Uh, but, but that is something to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, my guest is Rick Barber. Uh, as I mentioned before, he is a member of St. Gabriel Parish in McKinney, along with his wife. Uh, he has two adult children and has a background in social work. We're talking about May as Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, you're probably listening to this outside of May, but we recorded it in May. I promise you we did. <laughs> um, and the uh, what other tips should people know who are listening right now that might have somebody in their family or their circle who is potentially in danger of suicide well i think if somebody's in if somebody's in a situation then they need to rely on calling for help you know there's all kinds of crisis helplines out there the national suicide prevention lifeline is there and that's 988 now they they cut it down to three digits now 
and there are all kinds of, you know, the National Alliance of Mental Illness uh, has a 24-hour hotline as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different resources out there that people can tap into, particularly if they don't feel like talking to anybody that they know. And I know you mentioned that this is a little bit outside the scope of this conversation, but there are some people out there that are hurting very, very badly because somebody did end their life and they feel like they didn't do enough. Uh, Is those same hotlines maybe could direct them to help for counseling and uh, I would imagine if I was in that situation, somebody else who was in the same situation would be great to speak with because they could, they, it'd be hard to empathize unless you're in that same situation. So those, there's help for those people as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and just by people's nature of their insurance companies, you know, they can tap yeah. into the insurance companies in order to find out what resources they can tap into. All right. Well, Very Rick, definitely. thank you for coming back and talking yep. about this. Again, Mental Health Awareness Month. We've been talking about signs of suicidality. Uh, the website, livingworks.net, livingworks.net. You mentioned assist, A-S-I-S-T, right. uh, is something that, that people can, can look into as well. Any other websites right. or contact information that you want to share with our listeners? Um, just, they can look at St. Gabriel and um, McKinney.org, um, you know, if people were interested in coming to our church and checking us out. We've had folks coming out of state just coming to visiting the church because they were considering moving to McKinney. Uh, we have yeah. a very, very active parish. And I saw the other day, totally unrelated to any of this, that uh, your pastor is leaving. Are you aware of this? Yes, yeah, I am. Father Don Zeezeeler. Oh, you're on top of us. I'm on top of it, yeah. Yeah, he's going to go to the seminary for the assistant chaplain of the seminary. Have they named a new pastor yet or any word? We have a priest that's coming that will be filling in. I don't. I don't remember his name. It's, okay, uh, it, but it's been uh, announced. Yes. Yeah. Yo, no, Father Don actually came to all the masses and announced it. Oh, he did. Yeah, okay. He, okay. He got a he got a standing ovation. So. Oh, great, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know Father Don, great, great pastor. He gave, gave me a oh. personal tour of the new church. Oh, I didn't a, know a while that. back, oh, right before right. we did a live broadcast out oh, there. So, okay. pray for Father Don and yes. the the new pastor there. It's Absolutely. a big parish. It's a very thriving uh, community. And so, uh, Rick Barber, again, thank you very much for coming back in. Livingworks.net is the website. We've been talking about Mental Health Awareness Month, the PALS method pathway for assisted life and also signs of suicidality i think the key is if you have a hunch if you are worried it doesn't hurt to make that phone call or visit that website and at least inquire because you don't want to live you know in regret you know prevention is better than uh regret rick thanks a lot appreciate it thanks also to diane xavier and uh, for you listening if you have any suggestions for future interviews of the week here please contact me directly dave palmer at grnonline.com dave palmer at grnonline.com thanks a lot god bless you thank you dave appreciate it Are you in need of spiritual renewal? St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson invites all to its Padre Pio Prayer Group one-day retreat on Saturday, August 19th at the parish. The retreat will be led by Father Jewel Itona, a missionary preacher with the Congregation of the Fathers of Mercy in Auburn, Kentucky. Discussions will focus on the three precious hearts. What is devotion to the hearts of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? The event takes place from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. To register, call Catherine at 214-557-7974. Hello, I am Wesley Stepish, a member of Mother Day Parish in Irving, a sponsor here at the Catholic Radio. I am owner of Absolute Painting. We serve customers on residential home improvement projects. We provide full remodeling services, preparing homes for sale to get the most benefits for the homeowners, with the pay at the closing option. 
you can find us at absoluteptg.com. That's absoluteptg.com or by phone or text 972-375-5100. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Glad you are with us. And I just love this program because it's a great way to introduce you, our dear listeners, to the wonderful things happening in both the Dallas and the Fort Worth Diocese. And there's a lot going on. There's a, This is an exciting place to be a Catholic. And I'm very excited over the next 25 minutes to introduce to you a new venture, something very exciting happening in uh, the, the, the city of Fort Worth. And this is a new high school that is in the works and I uh, got the whole team here with me in studio. It's a private independent high school called Chesterton Academy and they're located online chestertonacademyfw.org and uh, I have been in communication with the uh, leaders and founders of this group for some time. I went to an information session uh, last year and I have in studio with me Carlos Crespo, who is serving as the president uh, of uh, Chesterton Academy of Fort Worth. And also uh, the vice president, Stephen Barmore, is here, but uh, he is not going to be speaking, but he is here for moral support. And uh, the secretary of the group, Doug Allen, is here, and uh, he is a convert to the Catholic faith back in two, 2012, converted. And uh, he and his wife, Genevieve, have three children. I should say Carlos and his wife uh, have uh, one child, uh, who his name is Charlie. And also uh, very blessed to have in studio uh, with me as well, Jeremy Duo, who has been selected as the headmaster. And I think that is brand new news. I think we're breaking that news on this broadcast right here. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here uh, with me. And uh, good to see all of you. Great to be here, Dave. Thanks. Yes. Thank you, Dave. All right. Uh, uh, let me start with you, Carlos, uh, as the president, the founder. I think this was kind of your idea. How, how did, uh, what was the genesis of this whole idea? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Chesterton Academies, because it's not just in Fort Worth. This is something that has been going on nationwide for a while, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, Chesterton Academies, well, this fall, there are about uh, between 10 and 15 new schools uh, opening. That would bring the whole count worldwide because it's not it's not just in the US to almost 60 schools mm. this this fall 2023 and how did it start well uh answering the uh, the great commission that our lord uh, gave us uh, so back in the day my 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 son was uh 2 years old now he's uh five and a half he would say uh i thought of um yeah, doing something for for our community uh it is true in fort worth uh, i think Fort Worth needs more more options as far as uh, uh, high schools that teach in the Catholic tradition, uh, and so I uh, I called Stephen. We had a beer one night and said, <laughs> "Hey, um, I mean, you have two young daughters at, at the time. Now he's got three. Uh, what do you think about doing for high school for your kids?" Um, at that point, I mean, uh, he's um, uh, uh, he's homeschooling uh, his daughters, uh, and so uh, we thought, "Yeah, why don't we start a, a high school ourselves?" And uh, God put us in, in this on this journey to um, to start a high school. And at the time, I was reading G.K. Chesterton, which is, was was one of the writers that influenced Stephen's conversion. Mm. Uh, Stephen was the one that gave me the, my, the first book I read of uh, by G.K. Chesterton on orthodoxy. And so I became a Chestertonian, and uh, providentially, yeah, I became a member of the Society of G.K. Chesterton. And I heard that they're opening schools, and they teach you how to open a school. 
well, and uh, yeah, here we are. Here yeah. we are. Yeah, I didn't realize it was uh, worldwide. It was started in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? Of course, Chesterton was British. Right. Uh, he was from England, but mm-hmm. uh, it's so nice that, that there are 60 uh, of these uh, already. And uh, a private independent high school teaching in the Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what does that mean? And how does that designate this, this school in, in the big picture of the Catholic mm-hmm. world here locally? So this will be an independent private school. Uh, ninth uh, private high school, ninth through twelfth grade. Uh, this first year, this fall, we're we're going to start with the ninth grade uh, class only. Uh, when I said a private independent school, that's independent from from the diocese. Uh, we will not be a diocesan school, uh, and it'll be a, a school that teaches in the Catholic tradition. With that, that that uh, that that means that uh, it will teach classical education, so all the humanities along with uh, math and science, uh, art, drama, debate. Uh, in the humanities, you can also include uh, languages, especially Latin. Uh, and yeah, that, um, yeah that's, uh, that's uh, the, the, the high school we want to start in, the, in, in, our, in our hometown. In yeah. Fort Worth. yeah, very nice. Uh, Doug Allen, um, you have your bio here. I didn't read all of it. Uh, busy guy, very accomplished, done a lot, doing a lot. I don't imagine you have a whole lot of spare time in your hands, but this is clearly important to you. And uh, you and wife, your wife, as I mentioned, have uh, th- three children. Uh, and why, why is this important? Uh, what is your role as secretary? If you can tell us a little bit about why you got involved. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, Carlos and uh, Stephen approached, uh, approached Cynthia and I a couple of years ago and asked us if we would be uh, interested in, in looking at this and uh, joining the effort. And uh, it just so happened that uh, she and I had both been praying for an opportunity to get involved in something that would make an impact in our community. And just coincidentally, um, I had just been invited to an event at the University of Dallas um, where the uh, Archbishop of Erbil, Iraq, was in town um, uh, raising support for the Chesterton Academy of Erbil, in Iraq. Oh, wow. And I had spent uh, three years working in Iraq um, uh, back in the uh, early 2000s and had been to Erbil and was familiar with the city and um, uh, came to the event and uh, got, to, got to participate in a Chaldean Rite Mass uh, celebrated by the Archbishop. And several members of the Society of G.K. Chesterton were here for the event. And they talked all about these academies and the one that they were opening up in Erbil um, and it was so exciting to hear uh, the work that uh, was being done there um, and kind of throughout the Chesterton Schools Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this just seemed like it was the perfect opportunity that Cynthia and I had been praying for. And, you know, we live in Fort Worth, which is a city that is exploding. It's growing. The diocese is growing. It's a dynamic place to be. Um, Catholic families um, are moving here. And what we found, especially post-COVID, was that the homeschool community was really taking off. And we homeschooled our kids. And my wife and her conversations with uh, her friends in the homeschool community, there was a real desire for additional options for Catholic education in Fort Worth. And so all of those things just kind of came together for us, and we just felt like it was an answer to prayer. Yeah, amen. Before I uh, speak with Jeremy, I'd like to talk 
to you, Carlos, about, you know, the, clearly one of the, the biggest decisions that you and the board, uh, you know, you and Steven and everybody have to make is who's going to be the headmaster. This is really important, uh, who you choose. I was delighted at your choice because I've, I've known uh, Jeremy and his wife even longer. I've known long, long before they ever got married. I knew his wife's family and so speak very highly of them. I think very highly of them. So tell us about that decision and why Jeremy is the right man for this job. The British accent. <laughs> <laughs> Which we haven't heard yet, but... <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, back in the day, yeah, we were, you mentioned the info session. So a year ago, we had our first one. We had a couple more after that during 2022. And it so happened that, uh, yeah, during that time, uh, the time of the third info session, which was yeah, just last November, we were starting to um, uh, put ourselves out there uh, hiring, uh, he- you were hiring a, a headmaster. So we were searching for a headmaster. Uh, I had several calls from, from teachers who were looking for opportunities here and there. Among them, Jeremy, who, yeah, he's, yeah, I mentioned his British accent. So he's, he's, Brit- he's British. Uh, married to a Texan, so that's why he's he, that's why he's he's here in in Texas, in North yeah. Texas now. And uh, I think you know he'll he'll talk about his uh, academic career. Uh, it was in, in in I think someone in Steubenville and at Franciscan University referred him to Chesterton Academy. Yeah, and so, so and he found us online. He called me. Uh, I invited him to the info session. And the rest is history. I think, yeah, Jeremy will tell you the rest from, from there. All right. So this is uh, the big reveal here on the interview of the week of Jeremy Duo as the one chosen to be the headmaster of the Chesterton Academy of Fort Worth. So, Jeremy, uh, congratulations and uh, good to see you. Thank you. Likewise. All right, there's that British accent, okay? <laughs> uh, so tell us about yourself. You're not on the website yet because it hasn't officially, I guess, been uh, announced, but uh, Carlos has said a little bit about you, but can you tell us uh, a little bit more about your background, educationally, you know, your, your faith background and your family? Yes, yes, uh, I'd be happy to. So I kind of came back to Catholicism, not having formally left it, uh, but just kind of I wavered during my teens and... When I was 18, I came back, and I, I came back through the door of really apologetics. Uh, I just got into uh, reading tons of apologetics books, and then I wanted to formally study theology, and somehow, thanks to a, uh, an obscure nun from Gibraltar um, in Spain, who's now the mother superior of a Carmelite convent, uh, she said, you know, I think you should go to Steubenville. <laughs> and I said... Uh, Sister, you've been here too long. You know that's in America. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so uh, she somehow managed to sort that out uh, from the convent for me without the use of email. Uh, she had a guy who would come and print responses and she would handwrite responses back and he would go and email them and all that. Uh, and yes, I ended up in 2013 uh, at Franciscan. Uh, I did a uh, degree there in theology, catechetics and philosophy. They called me a filthy cat <laughs> and uh, met my, my wife three, three weeks in, uh, who is, of course, from Euless, from mm-hmm. the area. Yeah. Uh, and then we got married uh, just, just at the end, uh, three semesters remaining of my, of my bachelor's. And then after that, we moved back to Gibraltar. And in Gibraltar, uh, concurrently, I studied, uh, I did my master's in, in theology still at Franciscan online while I opened uh, a catechetical institute called the Saxum Institute, where we, um, where a friend and I were teaching 
theology, philosophy, and then eventually Latin as well to the interested public, right? And it was always my lament that I could not teach uh, as many high school aged uh, children as I would have liked because, mm-hmm. um, be, you know, they spend most of their days uh, 9 to 3.30 engrossed in their studies and then they have all the homework and so the time that I would get with few of them was always very sparse and I wished that I could be there full time. Mm-hmm. I wish that not just me but the Catholic tradition, the wealth that the Catholic Church has to hand on to them could be there their full time and by that I don't just mean religion and theology but also mathematics from a point of view of the Catholic Church like what's that for why do we mm-hmm. use that you know just uh, and even just uh, science and, and history and art and, and all these things that a classical education affords you uh, that was always kind of my uh, my desire yeah my desire so when I came here um, we moved because of uh, I, ju- I wanted my children to have more space to run around because mm-hmm. Gibraltar, where I'm from, is very, very small, two and a half square miles for the whole country. Uh, and when I came back, I came back through Franciscan again. I went to visit some friends and professors and actually my sister, who is currently finishing her bachelor's there. And I sat down with, with the priest and he said, so what are you going to do? What are you going to work as here? And I said, I have no idea. What do you think I should do? I mean, I said, I, I want to teach. I don't think I could not teach. And he said, you need to teach at a Chesterton Academy. Mm. And I said, what's that? <laughs> and he explained it to me and, and I said, yes, yes, that, that does sound where I want, would like to teach. And he said, well, let, let me make some calls. Uh, he actually got uh, not very far with that at all, but when I came down to, to Euless, my mother, my mother-in-law, who is uh, a big fan of the Icon community in Irving, uh, she sent me a link. She said, hey, have you heard of Chesterton Academy? I said, just last week, I did. She said, well, apparently they're hiring. So uh, I sent in my resume, and soon thereafter I spoke to Carlos um, and then to Stephen, and I really liked what they had to say. Apparently uh, they liked what I had to say. They told me that they were looking for a headmaster, and I said, well, if I can help you with that, and I'd be willing, talk to me about that, and we did, and one thing led to another, as they say, and now here we sit. Mm, very nice. So, uh, Carlos, you know, you're in a very interesting situation. You're going to have one grade, ninth grade only. I don't know what the goal for the number of students is. Are you hiring teachers, or uh, maybe that's a Jeremy question, I'm not sure. Uh, what's, what do you, what are the next steps? I know fundraising is also a very important and vital part of it as well, but, uh, where are we right now and what are the biggest needs? Well, I mean, you, you lead a nonprofit organization. So yeah, the fundraising is, is constant always. That doesn't, that never stops. So yes, that's one of our, our, our biggest needs. Uh, teachers. Yeah. We, uh, have a couple, uh, prospects. We are hiring, uh, a few more. I'll probably let Jeremy speak to the details. It's been Jeremy and Stephen taking care of the, the hiring, hiring of teachers. So yeah, I'll, I'll pass it on to Jeremy if you want to know more about the, the teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you looking for more teachers or where are you in that process? Absolutely. Uh, we, we need, um, not a few teachers. We have a few candidates that we are considering, some of them very strong, uh, who, uh, in fact, we have made unofficial um, offers so to speak, just because we're waiting on that fundraising that's that's so crucial to come in. But we are definitely looking uh, for teachers who could um, 
teacher of mathematics and, and science and also literature and music, um, uh, as well as any others that, that uh, even though we have candidates for, we would like to hear from other people too, so also philosophy and, uh, and art and history. So, I mean, if anyone uh, feels called to share that or, or would like to be able to share such a, such a knowledge base with students within uh, a Catholic environment where, where you can unite head and heart in that way, then please reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And um, I, I'm, yeah, you guys aren't you know, reinventing the wheel. The, this is already going on in many places across the world. And, and, and so are, are you speaking to other headmasters? You, are, how, how much of it is you know, going to be unique to Fort Worth and how much of it is, I guess for lack of a better expression, kind of a, a cookie cutter approach where, hey, this is how it's working in all these different places and this is how a Cheshire Academy works and the curriculum is this way. How much autonomy is there and how much uniqueness to the other academies around the country and the world? Yeah, I think the interesting point there is that if it were a chest, if it were a cookie cutter, Chesterton would not be the mold, mm-hmm. right? Because Chesterton himself uh, is part of a far larger tra- tradition, right? The, cl- the classical tradition goes back centuries, right? Uh, and it's the church really who makes it what it is, although it even precedes what we know as the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. right? Um, going back to, to the Greeks and, and perhaps even farther. Um, but what, what the church has done is as she has handed on a tradition, uh, an education that speaks to what man is, right? And she is the only one because of her acceptance of the revelation of Christ, she's the only one who fully knows what man is, what he is made for, where he comes from, right? And that he ultimately, by grace, is destined to the beatific vision. And so an education that educates from the point of view um, of, well, f- with the point of view of that, right, is an education that can be called complete, if, mm-hmm. we, if we may. And so what... Chesterton himself and what the Chesterton network of schools is doing is handing that on. It's instead of reinventing the wheel, as you, as you say, it's like, let's do what always worked. Mm-hmm. Let's hand on what we always handed on. Let's hand on what we ourselves received. Right? And we kind of live in, in, in a time where perhaps some, some of these things or all of these things are being eschewed and cast out as old or, or, or backwards or whatever, but... Uh, infidelity to, to Christ, the magisterium, the church, the saints, the tradition. I think the network is saying, hey, this is the pearl of great price as far as education goes. Let's not cast it out or cast it to swine. And so now we are the great inheritors of what the Chesterton uh, network has prepared. And so we're, we're thrilled to receive this great work that they've done in making it accessible to, to people like Carlos and Doug and Stephen who are grassroots Catholics, right, who just want to do something for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are now um, kind of at the gate to be able to, to bring this great work of the network out uh, to Fort Worth. Now, that being said, every person in every Chesterton Academy is unique, and so everyone's going to put their own flair, their own spin on it, right? We, we don't want to depart uh, from what's handed on to us 
but we want we do want to make it our our own and hand it on with our own fingerprints. Yes, yeah, a great answer. Thank you so much. We are talking about exciting news, a new high school coming to the city of Fort Worth, Chesterton Academy of Fort Worth. It's a private independent high school will be serving eventually ninth through 12th graders uh, this coming fall. The plan is to have ninth grade only and then adding uh, a, a class each year. It teaches in the Catholic tradition. I have in studio with me the president, Carlos Crespo, along uh, Vice President Stephen Barmore is here. Uh, Jeremy Duo has been chosen as the new headmaster and also to the secretary of the organization, Doug Allen, is here and uh, really appreciate again uh, your time. There, there's some other big news that y'all have uh, released as far as location and also a new board member. Do you want to speak about those two, Carlos, and anything else that we're allowed to reveal as uh, the information kind of trickles out uh, re- regarding the Chesterton Academy? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, one of the uh, recent news, uh, which uh, we have made uh, public uh, to our distribution least, uh, list, uh, at least, is uh, the, yeah, the, the location of the school. Uh, it'll be located at uh, 1000 uh, Bonnie Bray Avenue. Uh, and uh, yeah, we think it's, it's conveniently located. It'll be, it's a small space, like I said, just four rooms. So we'll be there uh, very temporarily, probably a year to two years. In the end, uh, yeah, we hope to be more uh, permanently located uh, west of uh, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. southwest preferably, west of 35. Yeah, and the other news, I'll let uh, probably Doug um, say that about our uh, newest uh, board member. Who's a member of my <coughs> parish, by the way. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Courtney, yeah. Courtney Taylor is her name, mm-hmm. and uh, she's, uh, she's an attorney, and she has really, and just in the, in the brief time she's been on the board, it's brought a lot of expertise uh, to our board that was much needed, and so we're as we are trying to stand up the school, we're also trying to fill out the board with different talents um, uh, and trying to find people that can bring uh, their own unique skills um, you know, to the board. And she has been a great, great addition. Mm-hmm. I mentioned about how you and Stephen both converts, uh, G.K. Ch- Chesterton, a, a convert <laughs> as well. So there is uh, that. And I, I just, you know, Jeremy spoke beautifully about what's unique and, and special about the Catholic faith really being the only uh, faith that is really able to explain and develop and educate the entire person. As a convert yourself, Doug, why is a Catholic education important for you to pass on to your children? That's a great question. Yeah, we, um, you know, as as uh, as we started having kids, um, we started uh, oddly enough. I think this is a universal experience. We started paying more attention to the popular culture and how that impacts, um, you know, parenting and uh, child development and. Uh, and as we looked around, we saw that, um, you know, for, um, uh, for, I think for all of us, you know, the, the, the $64,000 question is how do you keep your kids in the faith? How, mm-hmm. do you, how do you form them and how do you uh, prepare them to go out into the world and to withstand the, the, the onslaught that they're going to face as a, as a Christian? And so um, we firmly believe that, you know, a real thick, a thick formation, you know, in the tradition is key. And, um, and that's why we've chosen to homeschool, and that's one of the reasons we are so excited about the Chesterton Academy, because, and Jeremy's very eloquent on this, the Chesterton Academy is not a, is not a place where the Catholic faith is an ancillary part of the education. Mm-hmm. The entire curriculum is integrated to point the student toward the highest good. And that is what is so exciting for us, and that's what we really want for our kids. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for being here as well. We've got about a, a minute and a half, and I never want anybody to leave saying, gosh, I wish he had asked me this. And so I want to just give Carlos and also Jeremy an opportunity, just anything else that our listeners should know right now, uh, other than obviously going to that website, ChestertonAcademyFW.org. Uh, got about a minute. Uh, what, what, what else, Carlos? No, 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 no rush, but you yeah, got a minute. I'll, I'll just t- take 10 seconds and I'll leave the, the rest to Jeremy. Uh, just please pray for us. Uh, it's, it has been a, a, a rough road, uh, very difficult, a lot of work, uh, and uh, we can only do that with, uh, with your prayers and, and your support. All right. And I, I would add that, uh, as, as the homeschooling champions would say, every child is homeschooled. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.